and welcome to Euractiv's AgriFood podcast. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And I'm Natasha Fett. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractiv's AgriFood team. So as you might have noticed, we did not make an appearance for the podcast last Friday. So we're going to kick this one off with a slight apology, also an explanation of uh, of why why that didn't happen. So the reason is, I'm sure as everyone can probably guess, last week was this final cap down week. I'm sure you were all following very closely on our live blog. Um, so we were following everything, um, everything cap, all the twists and turns of what happened last week. Um, and we decided to bring the podcast to you on Monday. I mean, I'm sure everyone else as well as us were completely exhausted on on Friday afternoon, exhausted and a bit delirious. So maybe it's better to have a little bit of reflection, come back to it. Um, and yeah, here we are. Indeed. I mean, you started like we, we were hanging our he- head in shame, but actually, yeah, it's, uh, we, we actually needed a bit more time to reflect and put and, everything together. Yeah. Cause it was a big yeah. week and there's so much that happened. So, you know, I think better to, to, to re- revisit. And what happened actually? Uh, so first of all, uh, if you missed uh, all how the, could you miss? Yeah, all the twists in the uh, cap trilogue uh, week, you can actually find them out in our uh, live uh, uh, blog. Mm-hmm. You can go back and relive, relive the moments from last week. Indeed, indeed. Let's start from the end actually so um mm. it didn't work the the attempt to strike spoiler <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert the attempt to um find a compromise a final compromise on all the three dossiers of the common agricultural policy reform um when act- actually failed uh went kaput yeah in in uh, on thursday night there was the um, the last compromise package from the council um, that wasn't it was discussed by the parliament negotiators on Thursday night, and uh, um, there was a counter proposal uh, that actually wasn't quite welcomed by the council, the ministers uh, who prefer to postpone the um, negotiation. Mm-hmm. But what was this proposal? You want to get into the into the nitty gritty of it? We're going to talk about the yeah. The proposal was a bit. Um, it's actually quite long because it it um, it, it involved the thirteen points. The unlucky number. <laughs> yeah, that's why <laughs> we know for sure that the first three uh, were actually. I mean, both parties were were okay. We're fine with the first three. Uh, one was the, the first one was on the transfer between pillars. Mm. Um, the other one is is on the cofinancing rates. So basically, the cofinancing rate is the amount of EU aid uh, that goes in addition uh, to the um, member state support. And the cofinancing rates were basically the same of the cofinancing rate approved in the European Council conclusion of July. So basically, the one the conclusion that agreed on the next generation EU. So they basically approved the cofinancing rates uh, that were embedded in the next generation EU for the transitional period. I don't know if, if it makes sense. <laughs> it kind of sounds like you're speaking a foreign language. I, it does make sense to me because <laughs> I was so in it, but <laughs> a lot of cap jargon, shall we say. So yeah, basically uh, they agreed on the 
the same co-financing rates uh, of <laughs> the transitional period. For instance, eighty okay. percent for the outermost region, and so on. And there was also the uh, a ring fencing for sectoral intervention on fruit and vegetables linked with climate and environmental objectives, which uh, has been established at fifteen percent. These are mm-hmm. the only three things <laughs> where they <laughs> where they actually. <laughs> found a compromise during these uh, four days, which is not The low-hanging fruit, shall yeah. we say. <laughs> and then it went downhill from there, is what you're saying. The fourth point is a bit more complicated. Um, Are you going to well, go through point by point? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Let's go straight to the drama. What's, what's the main... What's the main... The drama was an, on ring fencing for the, the eco-schemes, which is the fifth yes. point. Right. Uh, so basically, you probably remember that the council approved a mandate of 20% of uh, ring fencing for eco-scheme. So basically, eco-scheme mm-hmm. are the, these agricultural, environmentally friendly agricultural practices. Yeah. And the ring fencing is basically how much money uh, will be earmarked in the direct payments uh, to these practices. So basically, it's the greening of direct payments. Mm-hmm. Um, direct payment, which is the first pillar of the common agricultural policy, is the direct support to farmers. Um, so the council uh, mandate at the beginning of negotiations was of uh, devoting 20% of direct payments to these green agricultural practices. Mm-hmm. The parliament wanted 30%, which was also the um, proposal from the commission. And so we, we know that actually the uh, landing point will be Somewhere in between twenty or twenty or thirty percent. Um, I remember back in October we were like, "Well, that's twenty-five then." That's you know, it seems so simple, doesn't it? <laughs> and indeed, indeed, the final proposal from the council was twenty-five percent for the whole period, so until twenty twenty-seven, when the um, program uh, will end, the the, the next uh, cap uh, program. Mm, but the problem. The came in the details didn't it yeah yeah indeed the devil the, is always in the details they say and it certainly was certainly was on this occasion they right because the council the ministers also proposed a floor of 18 percent with full flexibility to transfer un- unused funds above this floor to other decoupled direct payments which is something that again it's, it's super it's cap, the, the peak of cap jargon. But for mm, some MEPs and also for some NGOs, uh, it appeared like, okay, uh, this is basically a, a way to even, you know, to downgrade, downgrade yeah. the, the council, was a, which was initially at 20%. And now you basically allow an 18% of hmm. uh, full flexibility. And actually, I mean, it's worth pointing out. I mean, sometimes when you talk about these percentages, you know, 25 or 18 or, or 20 or, or whatever, it, it, it feels like just a few percentages here and there. But when you remember that we're dealing with a third of the EU budget, so, you know, 270 billion euros, you know, 7% actually translates to a huge amount of money, but also translates to a huge amount of impact on the ground. So I think that's always the important thing to, I think it's sometimes hard to conceptualize, you know, these these different percentages at least it is for me that's a lot indeed that's a it's, lot it I, means a lot yeah it's, it really translates to a lot we're talking about the the, the highest direct support to farmers mm. probably in the world huh? yeah so yeah th- this was basically the main um thing 
Hmm. It wasn't actually the main thing because, again, even on social conditionality and on um, the trade aspects of the agricultural policy, uh, like there was China and the the horizontal regulation on the crisis reserve fund. But the point is that again, it's, it's basically the moment when the uh, negotiation failed because yeah. the uh, they lost some kind of uh, trust. You know, it's basically. The parliament started not to trust the council anymore, mm. and they replied with a, with a counter proposal, which was uh, another provocation from from the European Parliament. After the provocation from the council, which was basically twenty twenty two percent and twenty three percent of this floor, which was considered kind of a step by step approach, like a staggered yeah. approach. Yeah, mm, yeah, but it's true that I mean this this floor. You know, as you said, it was seen as a provocation. It kind of just raised everyone's hackles, didn't it? And, you know, talks pretty much went downhill from there, didn't it? Just disintegrated. Indeed, yeah. indeed, indeed. indeed. It's, um, that's what we, we heard from uh, insiders because, of, unfortunately, these negotiations are not public, are behind closed doors. This is where and, we come in. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Wink. And uh, yes, so basically, if we we have to find um, a moment or, or a topic where everything <laughs> everything um, blew up, basically, it must be this one. This is the gossip right here. Yeah, and the of course, another another thing that actually it's uh, interesting and that uh, it basically, of course, I mean, when this negotiation, uh, this kind of negotiation fail, there's always this blame game thing. Mm-hmm. You know? So basically, who basically acted as a catalyst uh, in in, in uh, reaching, in not reaching a compromise, the Portuguese basically and the ministers accused by the... Widely accused, actually. I mean, the, what was interesting, there was this moment, wasn't there, where it seemed that the parliament suddenly kind of united against a, a, a against a common enemy <laughs> against a common front what's the phrase i'm looking for united against a common enemy against the council you know and i think it was actually pretty much across the board meps were you know saying uh, placing the blame for this on the council pretty much squarely on their shoulders um, which is which is quite an achievement because I mean we know yeah, how exactly. fragmented is the the parliament uh, even from a political point of view of course they they um, grouped in political groups so yeah, they were um, suddenly 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 united um, which is quite interesting to watch and quite interesting moment plus there's also there's also another um, you know not only an intergroup alliance, but also an intersector alliance, because mm. we, we have also you know some clashes uh, between um, uh, the agriculture uh, committee and the environment committee, mm. mm-hmm. and this time no, they, they were uh, together against this uh, common enemy. Yeah, let's call it like this. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of other po- fingers pointing there at the same time, wasn't there? I mean, everyone was pointing at everyone. There were the agricultural commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski came under fire from all sides, from all different reasons um, as well, which was interesting to watch. I mean, I remember the chair of the agri- of the European Parliament's Agri Committee, Norbert Linz, was saying in a press conference at the end of last week um, that the commissioner didn't do enough and that they were going to talk about, you know, how the commission could have an expanded role in the coming weeks of negotiations, which is interesting. I'm not sure exactly what that means he didn't specify um what that would mean but then on the other hand we had the council saying it was too much interference and and kind of criticizing the commissioner for being too close to the parliament 
on some uh, points. And I suppose, you know, there's, I suppose there's one argument that if everyone's unhappy in a compromise, you're, you're probably doing something right. But I mean, of course, the commissioner has a, a huge challenge to kind of be this broker and try and strike the right balance. But yeah, there was a lot, it's safe to say there was a lot of criticisms for the kind of commissioner's role um, in these negotiations. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how going forward from here, you know, the kind of role that the commission takes as this broker and, and what they look to change or improve. And for his part, the commissioner during the press conference last week, um, you know, he, he he defended his position. He said he thought that, you know, the role of the commission was very much in line with what the commission wanted and what they want to achieve. Um, and he also said that any kind of perceived closeness, shall we say, or you know, being more close to the parliament was something that was kind of purely coincidental just because the parliament mandate was closer to the original commission proposals. But he's definitely had a lot of criticism for his handling of it so yeah even from uh, farmers from, from uh, it's true actually yeah i mean i mean yeah the eu farmers association Copacajaca definitely um did not hold back shall we say last week um quite a yeah quite a strong criticism from them um they said in a statement on friday that the failure to conclude the talks was foreseeable due to the weakness and poor understanding of the agricultural commissioner regarding the reality of farming in europe so I mean, you know, it's interesting, I, you know, there's all these different for against and, you know, different opinions. But I think what's clear is that the commission needs to kind of step up and, and be on their A game if there's any hope of brokering this deal um, in June. Yeah, indeed, indeed. There's, uh, there's still hope. Otherwise, it would be um, something for uh, in the pipeline of uh, the forthcoming uh, rotating EU presidency. Uh, which will be held by um, Slovenia. There's, there's, um, you know, some kind of time constraint because I mean we are in in a transitional period when it comes to the uh, implementation of the uh, common agricultural policy in this EU budget program. We already en- entered the um, new program, the new seven-year financial program of the EU. Uh, so yeah, um, they're gonna try to strike a deal for the. Agrifish Council uh, mid-June. Mm-hmm. The pressure's definitely on. I don't see a lot of, I mean, of, of course, I mean, it's, it's not the, the right thing to say after a, a failure uh, <laughs> like the one of uh, next week. But I don't see a lot of problematic aspects besides the figures, you know. You just think maybe tensions got raised in those yeah. You know what it's like? I mean, everyone was sleep deprived for like, we were sleep deprived for some yeah. days. Um you know, maybe they just needed a breather to then reflect yeah. and kind of move forward. And but also, I mean, I mean, uh, I I heard from from sources in the council that they basically uh, had, you know, timing problem in, in the in the sense that they had to to take uh, um, flight back home on Friday. Yeah. So uh, yeah. there wasn't, you know, the um, how can I say. Um, not freedom, but basically they weren't uh, relaxed enough in terms of, uh, you know, um, clinching a deal. Having enough room, maybe. To... Yeah, yeah. So it was a bit of a surprise that failed, but not that much because, I mean, if they had kind of uh, reached an agreement, at least on the eco-scheme ring fencing by Wednesday night, it would have been possible to reach an agreement on the final deal. 
and actually the problem was the eco scheme in fact so um that's the kind of issue to watch isn't it the big one i mean as well as we the other it's the acid death conditionality yeah. and the, yeah but this is kind of the underlying i think if you've got the eco schemes decided the others might fall into place you know there's more maybe more more closeness on the other issues i would say um well i, I mean there is definitely a strong a strong ambition from everyone to, to conclude these talks though that is i think that's safe to say so i mean hopefully hopefully we'll see see something in the next few i mean we've already used the final cap down hashtag twice now so i, I think maybe third time's the charm this, this time for <laughs> real the this real final cap we can call it like the final final cap down or something i think it's too long for a hashtag but the real final yeah i mean it's sad that the final cap this hashtag was actually the penultimate cap down which is definitely not as catchy yeah we, we bet on on the wrong horse but yeah next time next time we use the hashtag it has to be the actual final so <laughs> no pressure negotiators you have to be on our be on our hashtag but let's talk about something other than kamaikachara policy shall we so um I don't even know how anymore yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's uh, it's actually 20 minutes that we we spoke about this so uh to offer a bit of um um a reprieve from all the cap uh... let's say that uh, to our listener uh, to our beloved uh, listener we have today a guest um a very valuable guest she's from the commission she's deputy director general uh in charge of quality research and innovation at the BG Agri, which is the Commission Service for Agriculture, uh, Natalie Soz van der Weaver. So yes, Natalie, um, we're talking about uh, one of your topics today, uh, in particularly uh, the promotion program. And of course, I mean, as part of the objectives of the farm to fork strategy, which is the new uh, EU's ambition when it comes to the sustainability of the food system, um, so the commission is undertaking a review of this promotion program for agricultural products, uh, which is a program to promote products and farming methods that support European Green Deal objectives. So can you outline exactly what that entails and what kind of products will be in line for a boost? So we are in the middle of the process for the revision of the promotion policy. Uh, and for the moment, uh, we are uh, also preparing all this uh, revision uh, with the, the preparation of uh, an impact assessment uh, with the, uh, a certain number of uh, events and in particular uh, a public consultation, which is uh, ongoing for the moment and with the, a deadline of the 3 of June. And uh, the idea, of course, it's to enhance the contribution. So the, the, the promotion policy will enhance the, the contribution to sustainable production and, uh, and consumption and also uh, in line with the evolving diet. The idea is not to exclude a product as such, uh, but to focus on the sustainable production of this, uh, of this product. Uh, so uh, that is clearly uh, mentioned in the farm to fork strategy from one side and also uh, now in other uh, communication, in particular, for example, the beating, the beating cancer plan. 
And there are several bones of contention with the promotional policy. And one of them is to do with the promotion of meat. So on the one hand, we have kind of environmental campaigners calling for an end to all uh, promotion for meat uh, that say that it's not in line with the Green Deal objectives. But on the other hand, we have agri stakeholders um, highlighting the need to promote sustainable meat. So can you outline where does the commission kind of stand on this meat debate? It's still with internal discussion, but uh, the, this idea, what we mentioned already in this communication, the strategies, is that this evolution will include the promotion of more plant-based diets with less red and processed meat and more fruit and vegetables. Uh, for the meat sector, um, as I like in the in the farm to fork strategy, the review should focus on how the, the EU can use its promotion program to support uh, the most sustainable, carbon efficient methods of livestock production. Uh, so it's not a question of exclusion; it's a question of uh, a little bit the angle uh, of the promotion. And uh, of course, on the same theme. Uh... There are some members of the European Parliament's Agriculture Committee who have recently criticised um, the plan, of course, for uh, reduction uh, for meat, arguing that uh, it can risk pushing consumers toward imports of more unsustainable meat. Uh, is this a real concern in your opinion? And how does the Commission um, uh, propose to protect you farmers in this case? But the campaigns that promote the quality and sustainability feature of EU agri-food products, including meat, are eligible to benefit from the co-founding under the, the current promotion policy. So the farm to fork strategy already mentioned aims to, to reward those farmers and other operators in the food chain who have already undergone the transition to sustainable practices and enable the, the transition for the others and create additional opportunities for, for their business. Uh, the new promotion policy should become a really powerful tool to promote sustainably produced uh, European food. So the promotion uh, policy can help increase awareness of the high standards and sustainable uh, attributes of the EU products and, and nudge consumers towards choosing EU agri-food products, including meat, both in the internal market, but also in promising non-EU markets. And turning now to organic produce, so the promotional policy also plays a large part in the promotion of organic. Um, I'm wondering how far do you see this going to helping to achieve the aims of the farm to fork strategy that has this rather ambitious target of 25% of land to be farmed organically by 2030? And a lot of stakeholders have raised concerns about this. So how do you see the role of promotional policy in helping to achieve this aim? Going beyond mere awareness, raising the, the, the promotion process policy is critical to help achieve the ambitious targets outlined in the EU farm to folk and also in the biodiversity strategy, uh, which include, uh, as you mentioned, uh, reaching at least a quarter of agricultural land under organic farming uh, management by 2030. As part of the demand-driven approach taken by uh, the action plan on the development of organic production recently adopted by, by the Commission in March, promotion campaigns play an important role in stimulating consumer demand for organic products uh, of EU origin within the Union, but also in the non-EU markets. So in turn, increased consumer demand will help driving the search in agricultural land uh, under organic management. 
So that's why uh, in the promotion policy annual work program for, for, for this year, for 2021, we have already allocated 49 million to co-fund promotion of organic product of EU origin. And this is really an unprecedented ring fence financial envelope that will make a, a significant contribution towards reaching the, the goals of the farm to fork strategy. And uh, in addition, uh, the Commission in, in its action plan has also uh, for the following years commit uh, to continue to secure this ambitious budget in the EU promotion policy uh, for boosting the, the consumption of organic product. And now we are waiting a little bit for the, the result of the, the call for this year. Uh, and we hope that uh, that will be a very good result for this promotion of organic product. And a very last question. Um, I'm, I'm coming back to the MEP's concern because back in February, uh, members of the of the same committee, so the Agriculture Committee, uh, raised concerns that the Commission is um, somehow forging ahead with its agenda on uh, promotion policy without taking into account the views of the Parliament. So what would you say to that? If I understand you correctly, um, you are referring to the fact that uh, we are still awaiting uh, the EP's report on, on the farm to fork strategy and the recommendations contained therein uh, regarding the review of promotion policy. So I would like to make a clear distinction between two things. From one side, we have the annual work program for 2021, which was drawn up uh, to support uh, the priorities of the Green Deal, but fully respecting current regulatory framework. And from the other side, uh, the review of the promotion policy, which is uh, currently ongoing, and that may lead to, to proposal for a new regulatory framework. Uh, and so the Commission uh, launched the review of the promotion policy earlier this year, as already mentioned at the beginning of this interview, but with the publication of a roadmap and the launch of a public consultation, uh, which is open until uh, 23 of June. And we are eager to see uh, the report of the European Parliament on the farm to fork strategy and we naturally take into account uh, uh, as we review the, the, the promotion policy. So we are really keen to receive as much input as possible to, to the review process through this public consultation. Uh, and also to exchange of view, uh, we have regularly with the European Parliament and in particular with the, with the Comagri. So uh, to discuss the, the options for the reviewing of the, the policy, we are also, as already mentioned, organizing an online conference uh, uh, which will be open to all interested parties on the 12th and the 13th of July, where we will also uh, present the first result of this uh, open consultation and we hope to have uh, uh, an important participation of uh, the, the, the MEPs. And that's all from us this week. And this week, like every week, the Euraxiv AgriFood podcast was produced by Euraxiv's AgriFood news team. That's Gerardo Fortuna and Natasha Foote, with the support of our podcast producer, Evie Curie. And you can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms, including Amazon, Apple, Spotify and Stitcher. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agriculture news from the EU. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Mm -hmm.